Welcome to episode 68 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, we got JJ Gritz from Icon Properties coming to speak to us about flipping homes in Oklahoma City. He's accomplished 90 of these, some of which they're keeping as rentals, about 35 of them. The rest they've done to sell. This all over the Oklahoma City area. Interesting advice as we chat with him today. You might be listening to this on the day that it airs, which is Christmas morning. Rest assured, I'm not in the studio Christmas morning. I am pre-recorded this episode so that it's still available every Wednesday uh, because it's listened to around the world. We don't quite know if maybe you're celebrating Christmas with your family, but I wanted to make sure we get an episode for you each and every week. As you might be listening, yes, I have a cold. I've been getting past a flu, actually, um, and I've been eating kiwi, of all things, and it's really been helping me get out of this, kiwi being one of the highest fruits in vitamin C. Uh, In fact, there's a gold kiwi, sun gold is the name of it, that has 168 milligrams of vitamin C per kiwi. So that's definitely helping my body. Uh, But I wanted to encourage you folks that may be on the market in the cold of December, that December statistically has the lowest amount of showings of any month throughout the year. So much going on with Christmas shopping and the holidays that oftentimes buying a house gets put on the back burner. In fact, Oklahoma City running right at 3.5 showings per listing. And then January coming on the market, we've got six showings per listing, about 6.5 showings per listing just in that one month later, that next after the holidays. So hang in there if you're trying to sell during this time period not seeing those uh, numbers. That's what's going on. Also, for those that have subscribed to the newsletter on OKCRealEstateShow.com, you may have noticed no emails recently. And that's because we're getting thrown into the spam bucket. Someone, something, somehow, we've been alerted by something called Razor, I think it's what its name is. And it is blacklisted our email server. I'm trying to work on this so that we can continue to keep getting this information out there. Uh, But someone's definitely uh, put us on the naughty list this year. So uh, we're working on getting that back. So be patient with us uh, as the emails uh, are going to spam. Check your spam folder. Some of them aren't even making it. So uh, we've got an email guy working on it. But um, if you know anything about email servers and this kind of thing. I know some of you guys that listen to the show are techies. Uh, email me at landon, L-A-N-D-O-N, at com, and let me know what you might think about our problem here. Also, I wanted to let you guys know the podcast has been going through a lot of changes as we do this guest format and as we do the video format. I'm going to start incorporating some more ideas for healthy living inside these homes as we've started getting feedback from homeowners and tenants about uh, making it a nicer environment as we start getting more and more high-dollar, high-salary individuals moving to Oklahoma City. Those individuals generally know a lot more about education. They've got a college degree, maybe a master's degree, maybe a doctorate, and they understand about health a 
lot more. So they're going to want to look for that in the home that they buy. I'm talking no VOC paint. I'm talking about mold-free living. I'm talking about clean air, lots of windows, uh, the feng shui of the overall house. We're going to be getting into that in 2020 on the show. You're going to be seeing more and more guests, as well as some appraisers still uh, coming on the show to try to understand what's going on. Um, Next episode, we've got Economist coming on. We're going to replay the economic summit. Uh, such a valuable uh, lessons that we're learning as the city begins to grow in exponential ways. We want to understand that this may not be forever, and we want to understand when it will be so that we can invest properly to be there for the long haul. All right, without further ado, Listen to this interview we did with JJ Gritz. You can watch the video on OKC Real Estate TV, which is our YouTube channel. Um, been working pretty hard to get those videos up there. But thanks for your loyal listeners all over the world. We're in over 50 countries now, now on iHeartRadio and Pandora. We'll be coming in about three weeks, I think, we'll be on Pandora Radio, which is now owned by SiriusXM. So my father actually uh, works for SiriusXM, so it's been great to have him connect us with the Pandora group. So thank you for listening. As always, enjoy the show. From the middle of America, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Covering local market data, news, and reports to arm you with information you need to empower your investing and strengthen your American rights. Top Realtor, investor, husband, father, and veteran. Here is your host, Landon Witt. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. All right, JJ, welcome to the show today. It's a pleasure to have you in the studio today. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your testimony with Oklahoma City, how you came sure. into this line of work, and what you're currently doing. Yeah, uh, so I've been investing here in Oklahoma City for about uh, six and a half years now. Uh, started actually with new construction. Uh, I was looking for flips, wasn't able to find them. I worked in um, an industry alongside new construction every day. Um, and just started with a partner building spec houses. Um, and then we transitioned into doing some flips. Um, and in 2016, I went full-time, uh, been full-time ever since then. We've literally done, you know, probably 80, 90 deals uh, in the last three years. Um, did a bunch of flips. We've uh, started adding to our uh, rental portfolio, building a rental portfolio out in uh, June of 2017. I bought my first one. Um, and by the end of uh, this month, which is December of 2019, we'll be at uh, 35 rentals. So um, that's a little bit about me and what I've done here in Oklahoma City. We, we wholesale some, too. Um, so I've touched a lot of it uh, as far as real estate investing goes in this market. No multifamily uh, or apartments or anything like that. I've got a couple of duplexes. But, hmm. yeah. So all single family for the, from the most for the part. most part, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, JJ, for somebody that's maybe never been to Oklahoma City, yeah. how would you describe the Oklahoma City market? Um, so I would say that the Oklahoma City market is, um, I mean, it's a, it's it's pretty cool. It's changed a lot. I, I actually moved to Oklahoma City in uh, twenty eleven. 
um, from Eastern Oklahoma. Uh, and the, the transition and transformation that I've even seen in the last, you know, eight years now is, is just remarkable. Um, you know, it's a, it's kind of strange because it's it's pocket neighborhoods, if you will. There's little subsets of the market all over the place. You've got Midtown, you've got uh, you know Plaza, you got Paseo, you got uh, all these districts. You got uh, Uptown. Um, so th- there's just so many pockets, um, but there's a strong revitalization of of the downtown core, mm-hmm. um, if you will, in between 44 and 35. Uh, and 44 and 40 um, that's just really strong right now. And then in addition to that, I think the ancillary markets outside of that, uh, you know, Midwest City, Yukon, Mustang are really strong as far as real estate's concerned right now, too. There's a a pretty good demand, uh, <clears throat> more affordable points of the price point uh, as far as uh, the market goes seem to be constricted on supply a little bit right now. Um, so I, I think it's a great market. I think Oklahoma City is an up-and-coming uh, city, and hopefully today is actually a, a vote for uh, extension of, a, of a, a sales tax to help uh, further that development and that growth in the city. So we'll see what happens with that, but uh, hopefully we continue to make big strides to be a, a you know a big player um, as far as attracting new businesses and, and stuff like that to, to Oklahoma City. Hmm. Now you mentioned a supply issue. Yeah. Is that due to an influx of population here? Well, what would you say when you say supply issue? Is that compared to when you started seven years ago? Or yeah. And when did that change? So um, I, I think a, a few things are a factor there. I think, uh, you know, number one, uh, they're just not building that inventory really anymore. Uh, the lower price point inventory is hard to replicate because cost of construction has gone up so much. Just raw material cost and labor cost is such that it really isn't, and land cost is is not economically feasible necessarily to go in and build 13, 1400 square foot houses anymore. Mm-hmm. There are a few companies in town that do it and they specialize in it and they're good at what they do. Um, but, you know, for the most part, that's just not inventory that's being created anymore. Um, and so, uh, you know, you have an issue where it's just the stuff that's that size, that's more affordable, that, uh, is easier for people to get into. It's, it's kind of a fixed amount of that inventory that's available mm-hmm. just in the market in general. Um, so when you have a demand for, you know, I don't want to say a lower end product, but a, affordable housing, a more affordable, sure. um, sure. housing, and there's no new inventory coming in, then that just automatically mm-hmm. kind of constricts that market as far as the supply that's available to, to meet the demand. So mm. now being a landlord yourself, mm-hmm. how are you seeing rental, the rental, uh, income market? I mean, in, in terms of rent appreciation, well, what's going on there? So, I mean, again, real estate's local and that mm-hmm. is, is true for Oklahoma city. I mean, it's not like it's, it's market wide, but, um, I think that there are some areas of town, um, that you're, you've seen pretty decent price appreciation as far as rent rates go. Um, and then you have some markets that are kind of stagnant, um, just in my opinion, due to oversaturation of rental inventory. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've got, you also have legacy landlords that have been in there for a while. So if you're a new guy coming in and you buy a property at, 
I don't know, I'm going to throw a number out there, $60,000 and it needs 20 grand worth of work. You're in this thing for 80 and the guy down the street bought his for 20 grand and put five into it, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago, his break even point or his cash flow point is much lower than yours. So, um, if there's a big glut of inventory in a certain, uh, market that has been existing rentals for a long time, um, you know, they're, their cash flow number is a lot less than you coming in and just buying one today. Um, and so I think, you know, certain pockets like Midwest city or whatever, where you're seeing stuff. I saw one in Midwest city the other day. It was, they were asking $79,000, I think for it. And it, hmm. they said it rented for eight fifty. I mean, I've got one in there and seven ninety five is like top dollar I can get for it. I don't know how they're getting eight fifty for it. Hmm. Uh, but still, I mean, that's just over a 1% deal. That's, that's pretty tight. Um, right, right. We've tough. talked about that. Yeah. yeah. And also, too, I think I think when you get that 850 or you're kind of pushing the envelope, sometimes we often kind of look over some things on the credit app, too. Oh, yeah, this for sure. This person's paying extra maybe because they have an eviction on for their sure. history or something wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people do that. In fact, I know some landlords that don't even pull credit on their um, you know, more affordable properties just because they know what they're going to see. I pull it on every one of mine. I'm very selective on the tenants because I go in and I I try to make our properties very nice from the get-go to avoid uh to avoid maintenance issues, to avoid headaches for me, headaches for the tenant. Um I always tell everybody my ideal candidate is well qualified. They've got a good income. I don't have to worry about it. They don't have evictions, they don't have bankruptcies, none of that stuff. Really, they apply on our website. We do self-showings. We send them a code. They apply on our website. They pay their stuff on our website. I don't ever want to meet them, truthfully. Hmm. Like, you know, uh, it's just like that's the type of clientele that we try to attract with our properties. Hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, but there are definitely guys that will – it's just about getting it full, Hmm. right? Sure. But that comes with headaches. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, that comes with headaches. You're going to deal with with people's inability to pay at times, and then you're going to be doing evictions. And and then, really, are you cash flowing? You know? Right. That's right. um, So, especially when we're we're at already a 1 to 1.1% return, you've got two months vacant. Or if there's damages to the property, oftentimes the person, we just had somebody get evicted and they just left. Like it was, they went all the way to being forced out of the home. That's very rare, but it does happen. They were already only at a 1% metric, Mm -hmm. just above 1%. Mm -hmm. So now we had this court cost thrown on top of Mm -hmm. it. We had damages to the property. And this particular person, they're skipping town. They don't care. Yeah. You can put a judgment all you want against them. Good luck getting it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, I think that is definitely a resounding. And that was a particular situation in which we had to have the property occupied in order to close on this package deal. Yep. Right? Because the lender needed that lease in place. closing one of those loans right now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you need to have – so in those situations, it's terrible because we oftentimes put pressure on the listing agency or on the seller to say, hey, place a tenant real quick. Yep. They're not going to deal with that tenant after the closing date, so they just put whoever in, and so that was definitely a backfire situation. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to permits and and you know uh, going in and renovating a property, Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, so obviously it's going to be case by case basis based on what the property needs. Um, You know, but when we're doing one, I really like to do it all. Um, and if it needs it, we're going to do it. And if it needs a permit to do it, then we're going to have to pull a permit. I mean, like 
I use licensed trades for all my trades. My HVAC guy's licensed, my plumber, my electrician, all of those guys are licensed. Um, and so, you know, obviously they, they, they're actually the ones that have to pull the permit, but, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, so if it needs a rewire, because it was wired in 1952 and never been touched and it's not grounded in this, that, and the other. Um, there are ways that you can do it. Uh, you know, you can put GFCIs everywhere um, or you can just rewire the house. It just depends. So there's a lot of guys that just say, hey, this house is non-grounded, but we try to do it the right way. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a house in Norman. We had the electrician come come out and it's a guy i'm not using anymore but uh we had him come out i i knew that the panel looked suspicious and looked like it probably needed to be upgraded and there probably need to be at least some upgraded wiring in the house if not the whole house he checked everything out and said yeah no it's fine give it a good bill of health uh Mm. we're under contract later on down the road in the process uh and um inspector calls it out and says hey you know, you got this problem, this problem, this problem. I just, uh, we just pulled the permit, brought another electrician in. He pulled the permit. We rewired the whole house. Wow. I didn't ask for a price increase. Mm. I didn't go back to him and renegotiate. I just did it because mm. it was the right thing to do. It needed it. I knew it needed it on mm. the front end, but then I brought in a licensed professional and they said, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm not an electrical engineer. I don't know. I know what things look wrong to me. Hmm. Um, But that, I mean, I took his word for it and turns out he was wrong. We brought, you know, the inspector in and then brought another electrician in and they were like, yeah, it needs it. So we just did it. I mean, and I think, you know, sometimes doing the right thing is just the right thing to do instead of, you know, worrying about your pocketbook. I mean, better better business people would probably tell me I needed to go back and renegotiate that deal. But I feel like I'd already made a deal. I'd already given my word that I'd sell it at that price. And, you know, the house needed that taken care of. And so we just did it. Um, mm. You know, and I think you've got to, I think you have to go into these things prepared to do the right thing and not try to cut corners, um, you know, and not see what you can get away with. Um, but just do it right from the get go. And, and I think that'll help you if you're really wanting to be in this business full time. Um, and for the long term, I think that'll help you build a brand as somebody that does things, you know, the right way, Mm -hmm. um, and, and puts a good quality product out there and then your product will kind of sell itself. I mean, and there's some guys in town definitely that I know off the top of my head that do that and they have very reputable brands in town. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. Yeah. Now, working with code enforcement officers here, how's that been? Uh, you know, for the most point, it's been pretty easy, truthfully. If you just do things right, there's not really that big of an issue to, uh, you know, quabble about. Sometimes uh, we have differences of opinions on things, and, and those are things you just have to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's been been pretty easy and then a lot of times i don't really have to deal with them i mean that's what i pay contractors for too um but like you know for instance uh ken in the village i have a really good relationship with him you know and and honestly he's on my team like if i don't know and my guy doesn't give me an answer that i'm comfortable with i'll call him Mm -hmm. and just be like hey i've got this going on and i'm not sure what i need to do here what are you guys going to be looking for after closing if something was to happen on the property, I mean, it would come back on you, wouldn't it? If you did some work and it wasn't done to code, how yeah. does that work? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know on the legalities of it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, 
you know, I think most people are selling houses as is <laughs> these days, it <laughs> seems like. And so I, I'm sure there's some legal protection there. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, I don't really worry Just about it because right we do it thing. the right thing or way sure. anyway. So, yeah. Sure. Now, back on to this kind of transition that's going on in Oklahoma City. Yeah. MAPS 3 mm -hmm. did a lot of infrastructure changes in Oklahoma City. Sure. Um, made it more beautiful. MAPS 4 is kind of tackling homelessness sure. and also some social services. Sure. There's still some infrastructure thrown in there, like Absolutely. the biking, walking and biking trails yeah. and, and uh, city streets. Their hope is to increase this kind of bike mentality mm -hmm. and exercise mentality and this mm -hmm. whole kind of athletic to attract a higher income bracket to sure. come to Oklahoma City. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you, you've also got some money that's earmarked for, for public use spaces. Uh, you know, I think they're doing some improvements to the Chesapeake with that. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe a new soccer stadium. Um, I don't have all the specifics on it memorized, but I, I can't vote There's on it. There's a lot I, of them. I live in the village. I just oh. hope it passes. I just get to pay the tax. I don't get to vote on it. But uh, um, anyway, yeah, I, uh, you know, I think that uh, with growth, um, as a major city, there become some situations that that arise just with, you know, um, things becoming more affordable, it makes it a little harder on the general population sometimes with certain circumstances. Uh, and so I think that those, uh, I think that those services are, are warranted. I think they're needed. Um, you know, my wife does a pretty good job at keeping up with all that stuff. She's our socially minded person in our, our, our family. Um, she serves on several nonprofit boards and, uh, is very involved with the United Way here in Oklahoma city. Um, but yeah, I mean, homelessness is, is a problem here in Oklahoma city and it seems to be growing. Um, I can tell you that, like I said, I've been here mm -hmm. for about eight years and it seems like, man, if I didn't know better, I would say that homeless populations doubled at least in the last eight mm. years. It certainly feels that way. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more noticeable. Um, you know, and, and, uh, so I think that those are good things. Um, and, and definitely attracting, uh, new, new businesses, new, uh, Industries to Oklahoma mm -hmm. City would be good to help us further diversify mm -hmm. uh, and get away from an oil and gas economy. Um, you know, there's a lot of big companies that were really big in this market that are struggling right now. Um, and so some new lifeblood in here and some new uh, sources of, of, you know, money being pumped into this economy would be really good uh, for Oklahoma City. So hopefully that's some things that, that uh, continue to develop. Um, I think that our leaders are, have good intentions with, with, getting some of that stuff in place. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited about the, the horizon, the stuff on the horizon for Oklahoma city. Sure. Yeah. So for somebody that's maybe looking at coming into the Oklahoma city market, maybe they've got rental portfolios or maybe they've flipped in different markets throughout the United States mm -hmm. and they're now hearing on either biggerpockets.com or they're seeing on uh, CNN, even Oklahoma City was featured the other day. Yeah. And they're hearing about this town in the middle of America that uh -huh. is going to be the next Dallas. I've heard that several times. Yeah. Um, 
I hope not. I've heard people say the next Austin as well. <laughs> yeah. And that's just a scary thought. Uh, yeah. I'm actually from Austin. Uh-huh. And it was a beautiful city growing up and now visiting back again. It, it is a it is a, a strange world. Well, I hope we get ahead of there. our infrastructure better right. than either one of those cities exactly. did. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and there was a thought process in that of if we don't build it, they won't come. Yeah. And that's just absolutely wrong. And we're seeing that playing out in city council here yeah. with the whole, um, you know, several of the council members ride their bike to city council. Mm-hmm. And they're very pro bike and commuting with each other, and not pro building new roads, yeah. you know, and parking garages and infrastructure. So we've got that that issue brewing. But the main question I want to ask you here is, mm-hmm. what do you say to the people who are coming into Oklahoma City market that just maybe they've had success somewhere else, or maybe they're brand new, they're coming into our market and they think that they're just going to buy a property and make it work, and then also. Everybody just kind of it, when the numbers don't quite work, they just say, "Well, let's just find a property that's value added." Right. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean to you in this market? What would you say to those folks? Uh, well, I mean, I think that deals are still out there. Let me start by saying that. Okay, they're still out there. You're having to work harder than ever to get them, though. Um, it's a very competitive market. Uh, that's not to discourage someone um, necessarily, but it's not just you're not going to just go on MLS and find a deal. Um, so, uh, that part of it, um, you know, don't, don't think it's just, uh, oversupply of, of affordable deals that are 2% deals. And I mean, those, those are kind of long gone at this point. Um, as far as, you know, what I would advise someone if you've if you've got experience and you know what you're doing, I think you can come to Oklahoma City and probably be successful. I think you need to be strategic about uh, what markets you choose to invest in. Um, there's some there's some subsets of the market that look really attractive on paper, mm-hmm. um, but they come with their own unique challenges. I know that you uh, loathe Dell City, uh, <laughs> so you know. I mean, it, a deal can be had in Dell City, but it it it's not without its own unique right. situation. Um, you got to have healthy margins and know what you're getting yourself. Into. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, yep. <laughs> like a two and a half percent deal would be a good yep. deal over there. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, and I think that they're a, a, just a side tangent. I think that their intentions are probably good because it just was riddled with slumlords for the longest time. Right. Uh, and you have to do something to try to correct that. I'm just not sure that their execution of that vision mm. is is really panning out for them. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, uh, Northeast side's another example. Yeah. Numbers look great. Um, but if you're not used to dealing with Section 8 tenants in some of those neighborhoods, yeah. uh, it can eat you alive. Yeah. And your property manager needs to be very yeah. well-versed in that yeah. type of client as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we get that question a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so we've got a situation where people are moving to the market. Uh-huh. They're wanting to invest. Uh, and sometimes I we take, you know, individuals will fly in and uh-huh. we'll get in the car and we'll go driving and they'll go, Landon, like – all these neighborhoods need to be flipped. They all look like garbage. You know, uh, you know, we go okay. down some some parts of, um, you know, 10th Street uh-huh. and it look, you know, we have boarded up houses and you have these rundown houses that are right next to three hundred and four hundred thousand dollar houses. So sure. the, the immediate question is, Landon, how do I get my hands on these resources? My initial answer has been 
the problem is when we go to these individuals and we say, we'll give you 20000 or $30,000 for your house, their response is, well, where am I going to go? Yeah. So how do we solve that problem? Where, where, how do we get past that? You know, I that is a that is a good question, and I am not – I don't know. I mean, truthfully, I mean, they're – I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, you know – that's a problem. It, mm-hmm. And if I, I knew the answer to that, I would be not buying in those areas. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, it, it's, I don't know the solution to it. I'm not smart enough. I do this mm-hmm. because I'm not so smart. Uh, I, I just success leaves clues mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I'm smart enough to, to read the clues, but, um, yeah, I, that's, that is a problem. I mean, and that's a, a, a big obstacle that we ran into a lot when we were marketing for off-market properties. You know, we were marketing to distressed sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's like, yeah, I mean, I want to, the situation is I do want to sell this house. I can't afford to fix it. I shouldn't be living here, but literally just like you said, I don't know where I'm going to go, mm-hmm. you know, and in some cases we've helped find them, uh, apartments or senior living a lot of times because they may be older, mm-hmm. uh, that may be subsidized. And so that's an option, but even that inventory is limited, uh, mm-hmm. in this market. And so, Hey, maybe you do both. Maybe you go buy that and you build a senior living community out. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you capture, uh, some money on both sides of that transaction. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, that's a big problem and there are giant swaths of Oklahoma city that still are, are ripe with opportunity for for renovation. I mean that whole urban core. I mean it right. is very hit or miss street right. by street what has turned and what has not. You get in uh, you know an area like Plaza and it's like okay, it's really cool right here on 16th Street and to the north, but if you go south just a few streets, it's like that's right. It gets pretty rough pretty quick. There's fresh cra- crack for sale every day. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's yeah literally, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's what it's it's really been. I mean, taking guys and just driving over there, uh-huh. they go, see, if I lived here locally, I'd know what to do. And it's like, actually, you wouldn't. You know, some of those are just full-on gambles. They're yep. big gambles, oh, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars in yeah. a gamble. So it, it, it can be pretty rough. I want to kind of, you know, we're almost out of time here, but I have this idea that kind of to solve some of that problem because as we've got, you know, the beautification of our city going on, it is, I think, three years ago, Jason Hartman on the Creating Wealth podcast, Jason Hartman came here and he's, Mm -hmm. uh, I think he owns 135 rentals. Um, Then he's also got kind of a rental, uh, national rental. uh, He's a syndicator. Syndicator, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which I, it's, I'm curious to see this year how he's performing uh-huh. now that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, these dot-com syndicators that are uh-huh. popping up. But anyways, we took a 50-seater bus, right, and we drove through Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I kind of just was a fly on the wall to kind of hear what these international national investors were talking about the market. Yeah. And they were really concerned about the Class D and Class C-looking homes. Like, and even Crestwood, you're driving along and you feel like, some of these roofs are, you know, in need of repair and that kind of thing. So I think there's going to be a push for how do we solve this problem? And do you think as a builder and a developer that the answer will come to a builder finally building something called a tiny home? Have you heard of this yeah. this new concept? Yeah. Now, what about us 
going in and building a tiny home village per se outside mm-hmm. of town that we then trade a property for this tiny home that's in this village and then free up that very high dollar real estate in exchange for a location that's not so expensive yeah is that possible um i mean i think yeah it is possible uh you know i think uh that you have to be uh pretty careful anytime that it's like hey we're going to relocate the subset of of our population um that maybe is lower income or whatever you don't want to uh you know i i just think that that's something you got to be careful with you don't want to seem as as you're you're gentrifying and pushing people out um but at the same time like if they can't afford to live in that area what is their alternative um mm-hmm. you know and 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 that's a great idea in the sense that they're they're getting something new they're getting something that easy should, to maintain shouldn't sure. exactly shouldn't need a lot of upkeep over the years mm-hmm. has a long life uh, of usefulness left in it um so yeah i mean that's a possibility uh you know part of the deal there is 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 just finding a big enough piece of land that you can commoditize that out into those those tiny homes and make it affordable mm-hmm. you know i mean we've looked at several pieces of property to do developments on and every mm-hmm. time it comes down to it it's like well crap we just can't make the numbers work with what mm-hmm. just the raw land is costing mm-hmm. um so you know we need a grant it needs some type of government uh assistance sure. to make that possible yeah and i yeah. you know that's, that's way over my head because yeah. i i don't sure. like doing business with the government but sure. um yeah, uh, I mean, for sure, it's a it's a possibility. Um, I think it's a a good solution um, to get a high usage out of a smaller footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely possible. And if somebody would take that torch and run with it, I would be, mm-hmm. you know, I would be more than happy to to try to to help promote that. You know, what would you say is the number one situation or the most common situations as you're walking into these homes that are in disrepair that answered your flyer or answered your phone call and said, yes, I'm interested in selling. What's the common stuff right now in, in 2019 in Oklahoma city? I mean, I would love to tell you it was one thing, but it's just so much. And, and usually it's just, um, number one, a, a lack of, of income. Um, you know, a lot of these people are on fixed income and, um, you know, their bare necessities take up most of, if not all of that fixed income. And so there is no extra money left over to do the repair on these houses um, or sometimes pay the taxes on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've bought properties from people that their property taxes were $400 a year and they just didn't have the extra money to cover it. And it was either sell the house, get a little bit of money out of it and and, and move on or, you know, let it go to the tax sale. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's a, it's a lack of resources and they're in a, in a dire situation that they don't know the way out of. Um, and, uh, you know, we're able to step in and help them sometimes solve multiple problems, but uh, mm-hmm. most of the time it really just is a money thing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is, a uh, you know. It's a bigger discussion as well. Right, right. But, that all comes full circle. So yeah. um, we had we had the president in the Chamber of Commerce was, what, four episodes ago. And mm-hmm. one of the things he said was, so 20,000 people are moving to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And there's about 8,000 jobs that came that same year. You know, Now, granted, 
people have wives that stay at home and husbands that stay at home and yeah. and kids and that kind of thing. But it was down 2,500 jobs from the year before. Uh-huh. Now, one of an interesting metric we talked about was um, the actual uh, like laptop remote working. Sure. Okay, that's yeah. a metric where the government can't really gauge. Like, yeah. is that a job you brought here? Well, yeah. not really, but yeah. it is because yeah. you spend your money here. Yeah. So I think we're seeing that more and more. Um, so I think we're on the right trend. But I will say this: Oklahoma City is betting heavily on if you build it, they will come. Yeah. All based on the philosophy that if you have a nice enough infrastructure in the town, employees will want to live there. Mm-hmm. And now the the new job economy is wherever the employees are, the business is going, yeah. right? Yeah. Where they find a cheap workforce that's yeah. happy, well-educated, they're yeah. going to relocate their campus there. Yeah. In the past, in the 1950s, right, it was Chevrolet builds a big dealership somewhere and everybody flocks to it, right? Yeah. I mean, that was just the way it was. You know, yeah. you had a mine, right? Yeah. You, you know, you were, you were mining for something. Everybody moved in the right. town built around that. Right. It's the reverse now is what they're seeing. And so, Maps 4 is a real way, and Maps 3 even, as we're getting the convention center next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. The airport's got the $90 million expansion yep. package on it, uh, which is going to be direct flights, which I people still don't quite get why direct flights are so important, but they are extremely oh important. <laughs> yeah. Not if only, you travel yeah. at all, you understand yep. why they are. Yep, and just the advertisement of... OKC being on all these terminals throughout the nation and the world where people are getting that OKC in their mind. OKC. They know about OKC. And that just in and of itself is great advertisement for our city. So, um, JJ, is there anything that you can think of that might be important to individuals that are kind of either on the edge of Oklahoma City or maybe they're here and they've got inventory? Maybe they're a seller listening to this podcast right now and they're like, I you know, should I unload right now or should I wait another five years to unload? Um, maybe they're getting into a situation where we hear this a lot where the kids don't want anything to do with real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, the we have this grand idea that we're going to buy all these properties and we're going to will them to our kids mm-hmm. and our kids are going to live off this passive income. Sure. And in a lot of cases, the kids are like, I don't care about real estate, Dad. Yeah. I just want the cash, yeah. you know. And so we've got these situations. So if someone's just taken an inheritance. Yeah. Is now the time to sell? I mean, I guess that's a that's always going to be up to your personal situation. But I mean, it's a really strong market right now for rental in, uh, properties uh, or investment properties of any kind. Um, I think you're probably getting top dollar compared to any other time. Am I going to sit here and tell you that the market's never going to go up from here? Absolutely not. I think uh, just as the nature of real estate is, in mm-hmm. 10 years down the road, it's probably going to be worth more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, if, if if it's something that you don't want to deal with and you're not prepared to deal with it, then, then yeah, there's no time like the <laughs> present. Because uh, the thing is, is if you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you inherit a, pro- a portfolio of, of properties, that can go south real quick. Mm-hmm. and go from bringing money in the door to sending money out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a good – it's a good time to sell uh, if you're in the market to sell. Uh, things are bringing, uh, you know, good good return um, as far as evaluation uh, is is concerned. So, yeah, I mean, there's no time like the present. If you need to get it gone, get it gone. Sure. Um, there's plenty of buyers out there, I can tell you mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Other than that, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily have any 
sage advice to give sure. people other than there's no secrets that's yeah the thing. i mean everybody's looking for the secret and it's no, like, there's no secret it's, it's just it's just faithful work yeah just keep it at is it. Yeah. and that's one thing that i i just actually recorded a podcast with a guy last week and that i this is like my fourth or fifth one I've done with him. Um, and that's what I say. This is really all about being deliberate, being uh, diligent, and mm-hmm. being consistent. You've got – if you if you want to be in real estate, mm-hmm. you need to be looking at real estate every day. Mm-hmm. Deals are going to pass you by. Deals are going to get missed if you're not looking at it every day, literally every day. Mm-hmm. Um, or be, have somebody looking at it for you. And be okay pushing bad deals out of the way. Yeah, you absolutely. Gotta, you got to get into that. Absolutely. Now, you and your wife both are on the same team on this. I mean, you guys are – You guys are. sounds like you're really in line with your philosophy and what you're doing as far as real estate. We are. Uh, my wife actually has a full-time job. She works at OG&E, uh, but she also has her real estate license. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she 100% is, is on team real estate uh, mm-hmm. and believes in the vision of what we're trying to do and the reasons that we're doing it. Um, and that's important. You got to have buy-in, um, from your, from your spouse. That's your, mm-hmm. that, that has to be your team. Number one yeah. team member. Um, and it doesn't mean that they have to necessarily be involved, but they have to be on board with it. Um, cause it's a, it's a, it's an all encompassing time consuming, um, you know, deal that's literally it feels yeah. like all we talk about yeah. you know i sure. mean now we have we have a new baby so we're spending wow. a lot of time on baby stuff right yeah. now yeah but uh you know even then it's like mm-hmm. well he's taking a nap we're talking about this or that that's going on with your time you know, gets compressed yeah. very valuable yeah exactly sure. so sure. yeah no i think that that's super important um you know and like i said they don't necessarily have to be involved in the day-to-day but they need to have an understanding of what's going on, what mm. the vision is, what the goals are, and, and be on board, I think, to, mm. to to make it the easiest to be successful in this thing. That's great. Yeah. JJ, it's it's always great to hear from you. I've seen your comments on Bigger Pockets. Many people know you in the Oklahoma yeah. City market. Um, I think your voice of wisdom is coming from humility. Uh, it's coming from a real place where you've been there. You've done it. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciate you sharing from that angle. I think that's very helpful. I have been very, very impressed with investors in that, yes, we're all competing against each other, but there's still an openness of, man, I made this mistake. I don't want to see you make that same mistake. 100%. You know? And I think that goes for a lot of people in this market specifically. I don't know that it's necessarily like – I can tell you other markets that I've been to isn't exactly like this. Oklahoma City is very open. People are very willing to share their time, their knowledge, mm-hmm. their experience with people because just like you said, I have made the mistakes. I've done it. Like if it can be screwed up, I've screwed it up. Trust me. Um but the important thing is to learn, uh, you know, your lesson and take it away and try not to do that again mm-hmm. and to listen to other people's stories. I mean, hey, look, everybody has advice. And if it's free, it's free. And it's probably worth that. But you can take a nugget away from anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's to learn from other people that have been there and that have done it, uh, I think, is super, super important and will cut down your ramp up time mm-hmm. um, if you're getting started into this thing. But, yeah, Oklahoma City is very unique. There is a very, very a large uh, group of giving people in in the real estate market here. Um, And it's it's really honestly kind of awesome that uh, I'm just a guy from eastern Oklahoma from the sticks that came into Oklahoma City and built relationships with people and was – was welcomed um and and people were so free to to give of their time and their knowledge to me and and i try to do that 
uh, and give back as well. Well, JJ, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com.